Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Tim Seymour, Steve Grosso, Jeff Mills, and Delano Sapporu, founder of New Street Advisors Group. Coming up on Fast, the Chartmaster's big warning for big tech. Carter Worth has a five charts that show more pain ahead for the tech trade. Plus, a TikTok takedown. China drawing a big line in the sand as the clock ticks on a TikTok deal. And Nikola fires back. Hey, what's up, everyone? So, first of all, you know I never take any um, I come straight at everything I ever have done. Nikola founder Trevor Milton posting this fired-up response to fraud allegations just a short time ago. More of his reaction straight ahead. But we start off with the tech wreck. The Nasdaq dropping for the fifth time in six sessions and falling back into correction territory, down more than 10% from its record. The index closing the week with its biggest loss since March. And at the center of all of this, the tech titans defeated Apple, Facebook, all the big names tumbling this week. Tech's still the best performing sector of the year. But is this an ominous sign for the market? Jeff Mills, what do you say? I think in the near term that it probably is. Ultimately, I don't think this is the rotation that we've all been waiting for, quite frankly. I think the the equation of Fed liquidity plus fundamental uncertainty equals crowding into this large cap growth trade is probably still in play. But near term, I do think that there's more room to the downside. I think just focusing on the technicals right now is important because these things clearly aren't trading on fundamentals. So we were back to the 50-day. It looks like a lot of these stocks, Microsoft, Amazon, and so on, have breached that level. So I do think that there's more room to go. And I think you know, this is what happens when share prices move in this way. It's this game theory approach where people mm-hmm. are just buying these stocks because they think other people are buying these stocks, and then they're just going to sell them at a higher level. I pointed this out on Twitter earlier in the week. You know, even after Tesla sold off 21%, it was still 80% above its 200-day moving average. So in, ter- in terms of figuring out the magnitude of potential correction that's left. I think that is worth considering. And also in tech, the momentum actually started to wane long before this week or the week prior. If you go back to the beginning of the summer, 85, 90% of tech was trading above its 50-day moving average. Mm -hmm. That has decreased into the mid-50s right now. So I think that's definitely worth considering, but we're also not oversold. So there's definitely still more to go. Tech 15% above the 200-day. So More to go in the near term, but I think we still default to that trade longer term. We showed some of the individual issues at the beginning of the show. Apple down 7.4% week-to-date. Netflix down 6.6%. Amazon down 5.4%. Microsoft down about 5%. Delano, you are actually looking to buy some of this weakness, though. How do you respond to Jeff, who makes it seem like there's a bit of chase involved in these names? Yeah, yeah. I would agree in his his near-term headwinds that we're going to see. But uh, in the long term, if you're a long-term investor and looking for better entry points, I think this might be a great time to start looking for that. When we start correcting past 10%, we're looking at 15% in some of these names. The story hasn't changed for a lot of them, right? You're seeing still great content with some of these names, with Netflix. You're seeing Amazon still crushing and what they're doing. So if you're looking for a long-term perspective, for a lot of my clients, I'm actually looking to buy into a little bit of this weakness that we've seen in a little bit of this pullback and make sure that we're looking at the long-term story and staying on those fundamentals, right? So a lot of those things haven't changed. 
Uh, but we're seeing the pullback, we're seeing profit taking, and we're expect we expected that we had such a run up. Uh, but we're looking for those opportunities to now to now pick at the bottom in these certain situations. Steve, you moved out of these names a while ago. What would it take? What kind of pullback would it take for you to say, you know what, time to get back in? So I think the pullback in the overall market, I'm looking for a 20% correction. So we have some wood to chop there. I'm looking at 2850, 2900 in the S&P as a level to sort of dip my toe back in. But if you, if you look at Apple, Melissa, the 200-day moving average is $83. I think that's where Apple has to go to inflict 83. the most amount of pain. Hmm. Yeah, to inflict the most amount of pain to everybody. So... If you are looking as a long-term holder, then maybe you want to nibble there. But just think about it this way. All of these names have gained 30, 40, 50, 200% in some of these blow-off top names. Where's the next 30 to 50% going to be made in the gains? So Jeff talked a little about it before. Chemical names, that's where I'm at. Uh, the cyclical names. I don't like the banks necessarily, but they might get pulled in with an updraft. But tech, a lot more way, uh, ways to go to the downside, in my opinion. Tim, how do you view the market after this uh, pretty tough week? I thought the volatility on the way up was more painful than the volatility on the way down here. And, and obviously, you know, by the way, vol dropped about 10 percent today. Um, so uh, although you saw the market effectively close on the lows slightly through the 50 day on the on the Nasdaq or the triple Q's semis a little lower than their 50. Um, I, I just I, you know, I think it's been well expressed here where, where we came from is a function of, of where we're going. Um, and I don't think we're done, but it, I, I don't think that the foundation for for what had a lot of liquidity chasing this market is going anywhere. But but levels, and I can't wait to hear Carter, uh, you know, to me, people are, are, you know, is it 5%, is it 10%? Uh, I, I look at and take the triple Qs as, as just my, my benchmark here. I think we started July around 240 uh, after what had been a, a, a nice run, but some sideways consolidation, and then we went euphoric. And I think all of these names um, may, you know, may go back and check those levels. Meanwhile, in the rest of the market, some of this is rotation. And yes, you know, transports have outperformed the S&P by 11% since August 1, but 6% in the last six days. Uh, and, and I know uh, chemicals and whatnot were just mentioned, too, by Steve. Yeah, how about Rio Tinto and BHP and Glencore? I know those are like yesterday's names, but if you look at commodities, Freeport's one of the great charts out there. Uh, we are getting inflation. You had hot PPI, hot CPI this week, and I think those trades stay hot. Well, speaking of inflation, we've got a Fed meeting uh, next week as well. Delano, is that at all, uh, you know, is, is that going to pose any sort of trepidation when it comes to your view of the markets for next week at least, the trade? Yeah, for next week, I definitely want to be watching and seeing what's said in the meeting. Um, but we really want to stay focused on, you know, what our long-term story is. But definitely in the, in the near term, we want to be careful in this situation. Disciplined investors can be careful. One thing we're not going to do is chase any of these names and chase things that we may think may be stretching the valuation. Uh, but when there's opportunities where there's a pullback I think is overwrought, that's an opportunity to jump back in. And I think that's what we're going to do. Is, gonna, is the Fed going to throw any sort of monkey wrench into the work, Steve, in your view? Um, no, they said they're not even thinking about thinking about thinking about raising rates. They can't find any any uh, whiff of inflation. And I know, um, you know, Tim is, is, is thinking about that right now because he could probably name 10 spots where there's inflation, of course. But the overall market, just think about the last leg up, Melissa, in the S&P and in tech. What, what did that stem from? It stemmed from the split in Apple and Tesla. 
created zero value for shareholders, yet a bunch of sheep chase the overall market. For me, I think that, yes, there's over-liquidity, there's, there's, uh, the Fed will always be there to backstop, but I think people are starting to scratch their heads and say, risk-reward right now, let me take some chips off the table and place some bets on names that have not performed and are starting to actually catch bids. All right. Well, if you thought this week was tough for technology, buckle up because the charts are showing even more pain ahead for this sector. Chartmaster Carter Worth joins us now to break it all down. Carter, what are you looking at? You bet. Thanks. So, I mean, you know, before we get to the charts, it's important to say that uh, equities are not annuities, right? I mean, givebacks, dips, sell-offs, corrections, declines, they're a part of investing. And so uh, it's always uh, hard, though, to figure out how far the decline will go. Let's try to figure that out. A couple charts, one of five. The first one you see here, I thought we'd start with this. It's going back to the early 1990s. It's a two-panel chart. On the top, you see uh, the NASDAQ composite. Obviously, it's well above its dot-com peak in 2000. But what's really uh, interesting, ironic, and telling, the bottom panel. The NASDAQ, even with all of this, has not recouped its relative losses to the S&P since the dot-com peak. So that bottom panel with that circle I've drawn, you still haven't made relative highs, which just shows how treacherous it is to buy into the top of a bubble. In any event, the here and now, let's go to the next chart. So now we're looking at a chart of the NASDAQ, no judgments or annotations, and yet what you can see is a clear break in trend. I've simply drawn the trend line, it draws itself, and what we know is we have broken trend. This is the first break of the well-defined trend line that's been in effect since the March low. So where to? Well, take a look at the next chart. What we know, and this is now the percentage decline, we're down 11.5% for the NASDAQ index overall. But once you've broken trend, what is your reference point? Could it go to down 13? Could it go 15? Of course it could. So the next reference point, look at the next chart, is the January-February peak from which the market broke out. We know the S&P, of course, has already gone all the way back to its January-February peak. And so were the market to simply go back to the peak of the pre-pandemic high, final chart, what it would be is not an 11.5% decline, which is what we've seen so far, but then we're looking at something in the order of about 18. And so is that a possibility? You bet. Uh, it is... Uh, uh, a pretty good testament to first loss, best loss. If something does crack hard, it's usually right to try to take some measures. And um, even as Jeff said, we are not oversold. We're not. Okay, so this is specifically, Carter, for the NASDAQ. For the S&P 500, which you already said breached that pre-pandemic level, um, is it smoother sailing? Or because of the tech leadership, we're also going to see a, a decline that, that mirrors this, but may not be as deep? Well, that's right. So then it's a question about the market's construction. We know top five stocks mm -hmm. are 25 percent. We know that, interestingly, just uh, before this crack, the top 15 stocks as a weight just finally exceeded the dot-com peak in 99. And so the question is, the NASDAQ composite down 11.5 percent, the S&P down only 7.5 percent. Is there more to go? Well, if the parts compose the whole, the whole comprises the parts, if the big parts have more to go, the presumption is that the S&P has more to go. Carter, good to see you. We'll see you later on Options Action. Carter Braxton, mm -hmm. worth at Cornerstone Macro. Jeff Mills, you agree with Carter in this uh, call for a decline of 18.5% on the NASDAQ from the recent peak? Yeah, 
I, I do. And I think the levels he points out uh, are, are really clear in that you have the pre-pandemic peak, but then you also have the upward sloping 200-day moving average if you look at the triple Qs, for example. So I think that would be a really natural resting point for this particular correction. And I do worry about the overall market, just given the weight of some of these names. And because I think the rotation into cyclicality isn't necessarily primed to take off, um, that may not carry the day in terms of, of the broad market. I think, I think in order for that rotation to happen, you need to see things like consumer confidence, the labor market continue to heal. You know, we had this divergence between the labor market and how consumers were actually behaving because of this income replacement. That is now gone. So I think the uncertainty there needs to heal a lot more before you can see that rotation and have that value and cyclicality mm -hmm. carry the market higher. Steve, in Carter's world in which this decline happens, do your cyclical stocks do better than tech? So I would have agreed with uh, Mr. Mills a couple of weeks ago that all of them get pulled down the general. Uh, at the same rate and velocity, the general. But the, uh, the issue that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at now is that I am seeing, if you chart chemicals right now, chemicals don't look so bad on their, on their ETF while tech does. So to, the, to answer your question, chemicals and cyclicals will rally even with the S&P falling out of bed. All right. Let's move on to a story we have been following very closely here on Fast Money. Reuters reporting that China would rather see TikTok's U.S. operations close down than see a forced sale. This comes as a clock ticks toward a looming deadline put in place by President Trump for TikTok to sell its U.S. operations. The three big companies bidding for TikTok, Walmart, Microsoft, Oracle, all moving lower on that news. We saw a little bit of that in yesterday's session as well. Uh, Tim, there's a couple ways you can, you can view this piece of news, and that is that China is taking a much harder stance. It would rather see this thing shut down than it actually be sold. So that's China-U.S. relations. But then there's also the stock-specific stories behind this. And it makes you wonder what exactly these companies might be buying. And I think that's part of the value, and it's just driving down the value. And it's why uh, ByteDance really wants to find a proper sale. And that's why I actually think the company is pushing for a sale. Um, whether that happens or not, I, I think these headlines are, are ones that, yes, we've, we've had the sense that China is pushing hard and playing their, their part of the hand or attaching uh, export restrictions on the technology. Uh, that's been part of the news flow. If you look at Walmart, it's down almost 9% in the last six days. Um, it's absolutely given up uh, its TikTok bug. And in fact, I think it's now trading back to where we got some sense of uh, the other dot-com story for, for Walmart and at least the Walmart Plus business, which is uh, about their same-day delivery and utilizing uh, essentially some of that, that, that infrastructure to, to, to compete directly with Amazon. So um, I, I think for Microsoft, uh, first of all, Microsoft and, and, and Walmart as partners here, long-term partners, have been partners. I think this makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think Walmart clearly is getting more of the gain, um, mm -hmm. and I think that that is still considered to be the pole position. Um, I, you know, I think at this point the market has taken a lot of that buzz out of these two stocks. Yeah. Um, we should note that ByteDance in a statement to Reuters said the Chinese government specifically did not ask it to shut down the U.S. operations of TikTok at all. So that's that company's response to this report. Delano, you're in Microsoft. Um, how much, I mean, as Tim mentioned, a lot of the buzz is taken out, but how much do you think should have been accorded to this, given this was a very ambiguous deal to begin with? Yeah, it was ambiguous. And I, I do agree with Tim that Walmart was seeing the lion's share of kind of the gain with Microsoft bringing the infrastructure and really what they could do on that side of things. 
But as you mentioned, you know, the market was excited for this. You know, as a holder in Microsoft and being long, I was excited for this. And now we're seeing the pullback with the news. I think it's now bigger than the companies that are buying uh, for, for ByteDance uh, asset here. It's now we're looking at, you know, a clash of superpowers. And that's going to be a lot of regulatory waters to wade through. I don't know if they can actually get this done. Uh, so I think you will see sort of a pullback as the, the, the optimism dies down. And you're now looking at pessimism. But there's still opportunity. There's still time. What they could possibly work out, what could be great for all parties involved. Uh, so I'm still long the name. And I still believe in the other uh, avenues for, you know, a company like Microsoft, which is obviously we know how strong that company is, and Walmart as well. Coming up, Nikola shares hitting the skids as the company's founder comes out swinging against fraud allegations. His must-see fired-up response straight ahead. And sticking with autos, the old-school car company kicking into overdrive. How options traders are revving up for more big gains. Stay with us. Fast Money's back in two. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Nikola shares tumbling again today as the company's founder goes on the defensive. Trevor Milton firing back at a short seller's allegations of fraud in an Instagram story. I want you to know first and foremost that um, I'm pissed and I understand that you guys are too. Every single thing in there was um, I have all the rebuttals done. It drives me nuts that I can't send them out to you guys. But um, look... I want you to know that it sucks. It hurts. I know. I'm super. I'm super mad, and there's nothing I can do about it for a little bit. Okay? Yeah. Give me some time. It's not in my hands. It's in the hands of the attorneys in the SEC. Nicola putting out a more formal statement this morning, saying, "Quote: To be clear, this was not a research report, and it is not accurate. This was a hit job for a short sale profit driven by greed." All this comes after Hindenburg Research put out a 90-page report yesterday accusing Nikola of being an intricate fraud. Nikola shares finishing the day down 14 percent following yesterday's 11 percent drop. Um, I don't even know where to go with this, uh, Jeff Mills. Obviously, General Motors is involved because of the 11 percent stake it now has in Nikola. What's your take? Yeah, I, I don't really know where to go with it either, quite frankly. I mean, at, at this juncture, it's a he said, she said sort of situation. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's telling the truth. So I try to look to the market for some wisdom. And you brought up GM. I thought the trading in GM and Nikola was very interesting today in the sense that GM was up a percent and Nikola was down about 14 or 15 percent. I would have expected, given that $2 billion stake that GM now has in Nikola, the, the two stocks would have traded more similarly to one another. So Perhaps it's, it's a situation where the more steady hands in GM, they're taking a longer term, more pragmatic view about how this is likely to turn out versus Nikola, where there's obviously speculation in the stock, more people in and out of the name every day. Um, so I just thought that's interesting to point out. I don't know exactly what to make of it, but the divergence was definitely there. And then just from a technical standpoint, you know, you had that big blow off top in Nikola traded up to 80. 
now back or it was back down to 30 and it actually had some support there a couple of times so we're back down to that 30 level so i would look for that as near-term support if we break below that then I guess all bets are off and we'll see what happens. I mean, the, the, the response on the part of the company may seem very convincing to average investors, Tim. I mean, we've hired a law firm. We're engaging with the SEC. I've worked all night on this rebuttal report, which I'm going to have ready for you. Oh, I can't have ready, it ready for you and release it because of the lawyers now. I mean, all of this is, it seems convincing at least. Yeah, look, I, I, I give Trevor Milton credit for standing in the pocket as it collapses around him. And, and he's been on our show and he's answered difficult questions and he's heard the business plan accusation before. Um, and, and again, whether the business plan accusation is, 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 is fraud um, is a very different question. Um, what I just heard doesn't tell me anything. Um, uh, just a, a guy who has communicated directly with shareholders and the market and is actually, uh, you know, part of the charisma and part of the momentum behind the stock, frankly. Um, but I, I do think that this GM deal uh, de-risks the Class 8 initiative, and I, I do think the access to the, to the battery cycle is very important. We'll see. Let, 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 let the lawyers in the SEC decide. That's good news for investors. Yeah. Coming up, claiming victory. This Dow component topping the tape today and scoring a big win for investors. Why one of our traders says this is a Tesla name that you should be in. And later on Options Action, the three charts that shows cracks in the foundation of the red-hot housing trade. How you can play it when Fast Money returns. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Nike topping the tape today, jumping nearly 3%, hitting a new all-time high. Tim, you are calling this a bulletproof stock. Why? Well, it's been bulletproof because, first of all, there's some things that for Nike have, have historically, historically been sensitivities. That includes FX. That's been a major, major tailwind. Um, they actually had some significant uh, markdown uh, you know, numbers that they had thrown into uh, to be conservative on their last couple quarters based upon COVID. But the reality is this is a company that has gross margin, margin progression. The DTC business continues to grow. The, the athleisure and, and essentially the comfort uh, dynamic in two halves, uh, 20, is going to continue to be as strong as it was in the first half. Um, Nike is one of those iconic brands out there. The one thing I'd say for investors, it, it, it's not nothing is Teflon. Uh, and it's up 23% in 26 trading sessions and looks a lot like a NASDAQ chart. Uh, but I will say, uh, I think you're going to see earnings revisions. And I do think this story remains very resilient. And it's been a great trade. Guggenheim raising the price target specifically on the notion that its competitors, um, Adidas and Under Armour, were losing already in terms of their tra trajectory before the pandemic, are losing even more uh, Grasso. And it's their opportunity to sort of gain some share here. Where do you stand on Nike? 
Yeah, so it's, if you, I, I agree with Tim's last statement. The, the chart is overbought and it looks like a tech company. Uh, it's, it's surprising. Nike was the first to report and, and include all of the pandemic, basically. It was the mm -hmm. first one out to give you any indication. And sales were down. The stores uh, were much lower than online sales were. I, I'd be a seller of Nike. All right, time for the final trade now. Jeff Mills, what do you say? I think IBB looks timely here. It's down 10% from the July highs. It's back to those old 2015 highs, which also happens to be the upward sloping 200 day. I think you get a rally here, IBB. Delano Sapporo. I like Netflix here. So they pulled back around eight to 9% from the highs. I'm looking to see them continue to buy that dip, to see the investors buy that dip. Also they have a, still a strong story. So I like Netflix. Steve Grasso. I'm gonna give you a double. The, uh, the final trade is Planet Fitness and I'd be a seller of uh, Peloton against it. Ah, Paris trade. Tim Seymour. Uh, I mentioned Nike. I think I gave all those reasons. I'd rather point out this is a sad day in our country's history. Let's not forget, let's remember the unity and the resolve of 19 years ago. God bless America. Amen. Amen. That's it for us. Options Action up next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.